to the NEPA Scene Podcast. We're coming to you live from Cole Creative in downtown Wilkes-Barre. I'm Rich Howells. I'm the founder and editor of NEPA Scene. I am John Popko with uh, Time Shamrock Communications with Rock 107, ESPN Radio, and Alt 92.1. And I'm also the Saturday night host of Alt Natives on Alt 92.1. And we're here with the uh, talented Justin Mazur, who is a uh, guitarist for uh, Ryan Montblou. Uh, Gatos Blancos, Starbird, and uh, many other bands that uh, I'm sure you've heard of over the years. So we're going to talk about uh, traveling the country with uh, various acts, uh, how the local music scene uh, compares to other areas, uh, Peach Fest, uh, Susquehanna Breakdown, which he's both played as well, uh, his, keeping up uh, his uh, guitar chops, and uh, some upcoming shows at the uh, River Street Jazz Cafe, including uh, this weekend. Uh, with an old band of his, uh, Misty Mountain, uh, Les Zeppelin tribute. So uh, please join our conversation. Uh, if you have questions or comments for, uh, for our guests or for us, uh, please leave them down below. Uh, the show is much more interesting when we have uh, some live commentary to, to bounce off of. So uh, please let us know uh, what you think in the comments or if you want us to follow up with, uh, with anything that you might want to know. But uh, so before we get into uh, the interview, uh, we have some beers to drink. Fuck yeah. <laughs> See, there we go. We've got uh, Crowlers from Beer Boys, Justin. I don't know if you know, know uh, where Beer Boys is. I am familiar. You're familiar? Okay, good. So they give us Crowlers every week. It's not a growler. It's not a, it's not a pint. It's a Crowler. So it's essentially 32 ounces. I thought those were all, always the same thing. No, they're not. Crowlers are smaller. Crowlers are smaller, actually half the size of a growler. Now I know this. See, now we're, we're, all, we're all learning something. Educating. <laughs> Education. You better do it before they take it away from you. Yeah, really. So uh, we have uh, three beers from Beer Boys. Uh, Benny Brewing Company, Benny Fest. Um, uh, Quinnanon Falls, Bell's Brewing, IPL. Yeah, an IPL. I'm getting uh, more popular yeah, lately. I'm excited for this one. The Maple Mistress uh, by Sakani Creek Pumpkin. It's 9.5%. Ooh. All so, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Party time. Let's get I weird. Like <laughs> so which one are we going with first? Then are we going with that one? I don't know. Go with the 9.5. 9.5. All right. All right. Starting strong. Interns get the spit, though, because I don't want to share with... <laughs> Oh, we could no. just, we could just oh, play you some flip cup, man. <laughs> that's uh, that's true arts. Yeah. <laughs> so while we're while we're doing that, uh, we want to give a shout out to uh, one of our other sponsors, the Keys in downtown Scranton. Uh, so their open mic is this Thursday. Uh, they have uh, E fifty seven and pals on Friday, uh, which includes a uh, Red Barons reunion. Not the baseball team, unfortunately. Oh, the band named after the baseball team. Uh, Saturday is uh, the Jingle Bell Ruckus, which also has E57, plus improv comedy from Here We Are in Spain and stand-up comedy from uh, Elliot Elliot, Eric Drexler, Angelia Petrillo, Dan Hoppel, Ted Hebert, uh, Thomas the Red, uh, Russell Austin, Mike Peters, Tyler Benedetto, and Ray Mione. So apparently that is a long event. <laughs> And uh, the V-Spot is uh, our newest sponsor, uh, where you saw many of those acts last night if you came to our final showcase. Um, so they're one of the biggest and most popular bars in Northeast PA, so they don't re really need an introduction from me. 
but they have live entertainment every night of the week. Uh, this week they have uh, Justin Drevich on uh, Thursday, uh, who we've had on the show before. Uh, Better Than Bad on Friday. That 90s band on Saturday. And on Christmas Eve, uh, they're open till 6, uh, if you want to avoid your relatives. And uh, the uh, NEPA Scene Rising Talent Final Showcase uh, was last night. So uh, we did not live stream it, so you couldn't tune in, so you had to be there for it. But it was really, really fun. Uh, we probably had uh, a little over maybe 100 people uh, in the bar, uh, which, was, uh, which was a good night for us. It was probably the most successful uh, final showcase that we've done out of all our open mic events. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was the the judges had a really tough call, and it came down to like a point. <laughs> uh, the winners were uh, Myel Soul, uh, who are living in Williamsport, but are from all the way from Jamaica. Uh, they were incredible. Um, they blew us away the last week. They came in out of nowhere and uh, won the whole thing. Uh, the Fields was a very close second. Uh, they're they're from uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, and. Uh, Third was uh, Angelia Petrillo. So, uh, you know, good, good mix of music and comedy last night. Everybody seemed to have a great time. Uh, Vinny, I think, had a better time than everyone else. He <laughs> usually does. Yeah, yeah. He he really enjoyed himself. Good. Uh, so it was it was a it was a good night for everybody. So thank you all to to, to everybody who came out and supported that or, or came out to any of the open mics uh, over this last season. It was a it was a lot of fun. We also want to shout out uh, Loyalty Barbershop and Shave Parlor. Uh, they have locations in Scranton, Archibald, and a uh, new shop in uh, Wilkes-Barre on South Main Street, where the old uh, Cafe Metro used to be. Uh, shout out to uh, George Palomides, who, uh, who comes to our open mics. Uh, he, he, uh, he works at the, uh, the Archibald uh, shop, and I know he tunes into the show a lot. So thanks for coming out. All right. Cheers. So now so we cheers to all that. Yeah. Some fine establishments of northeastern Pennsylvania. Yes. We try to only ally ourselves with the best. So you're doing a good job. <laughs> oh, good. We already have uh, a couple of questions and comments. Oh, uh, <laughs> Miss Brittany Boot uh, has uh, chimed has in. It. Yeah, exactly. Where are you right now? Come on. <laughs> No, she had a she had a, a family thing that she had to take care of, so uh, so she's done with. It. I was actually going to have her lead the interview tonight because I think she knows you out of out of all of us. She probably I, knows I don't, you the I best. don't know Brittany at all. <laughs> you just if she, she's listening. If she's listening, she, she's stranger to me. Complete stranger. <laughs> she probably knows you the best, but I probably know know you the longest. That would be correct. Which is crazy. So how, how, where, well, where did you meet this guy? He was in. Uh, a friends, well, in a band with my friend's brother. They were like, what, 16, 15? Mike Doherty, brother? who's also, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. involved in the, the shows we're doing later this week. Okay. Jazz Cafe. But anyways. So, yeah, I used to catch <laughs> these guys playing in, in bars when they could get gigs in bars because they were under, you know, underage. Yeah. And uh, I am not at all surprised that he is as accomplished as he is. I remember saying to, to you, probably, I was probably hammered drunk. Like, yo, dude, you're going to do something with yourself. <laughs> you always used to uh, drunkenly request that we played the Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. Of that was, your, that was the song. move. Yes. I love that song. Yeah. But Never mind playing it. Yeah. So I'm not uh, at all surprised by uh, what you've done so far. So it's. I appreciate that. I got to pat myself on the back, too. Like, yeah, you know what you're doing, John. You, know, you, you, yeah. you, you can see talent. <laughs> you, can, you can pick them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The real eye. Real ear. Real ear, so to speak. 
Now, uh, so so that means you've been doing this a long time. This goes back for you uh, to to an early age. Yeah, I guess I've been playing guitar since eleven or twelve years old, but I think my first show was around age fifteen. But I've been playing regularly in front of people since I was sixteen, so hmm. twelve years. And since then, you have toured the country with a lot of different bands too. So you're not just and you've you've played pretty much everywhere around here, but uh, you've played all over the country. Uh, yeah. Um, the last couple of years, I've averaged between 175 to 200 days a year on the road. Wow. Um, I haven't checked recently, but the last time I looked at a map, I think I played in about 40 of the lower 48 states. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been great, you know, because one of my favorite things to do is to travel, and the fact that I've been able to do that from playing music has been great. And that doesn't necessarily always mean I get to see the things I want to see in certain cities, but sometimes I get to see just enough. You know, but if I'm ever doing a, a fly date or if I ever, whoever booking a tour, like this last tour we were just on, uh, we, we kind of uh, set up the routing so that we would have an extra day in Nashville because that's a big town for music people. So we got there a day early. Uh, saw our buddy Bob Lewis. Everybody who's oh, listening nice. probably uh, yeah. knows who that guy is. Uh, shout out to Bob. Um, <laughs> but so things like that, sometimes it works out. Or if I have a friend in a, in a city that I, I, I love to, you know, do some sort of function with maybe i'll book a flight out a day early or a day late and try to capitalize on the traveling because if you're not you're you're kind of cheating yourself out of you know good opportunities to see the country which is certainly one of my favorite things to do what would have been some of the the highlights that you've you've seen well we did a we did a 10-week tour the american babies a couple years ago where we, where we essentially did a lap around the whole country so i got to see the west coast for the first time and that was great got to drive up all the way up California from LA to San Francisco and then all the way up to Seattle. And I, I remember in particular that um, uh, Northern California was really beautiful and just the whole vibe up there is great. In Seattle, the Pacific Northwest, it's like you're driving through the Pacific Northwest and the outskirts of Yellowstone, that kind of region. And like, I'm just the whole drive, I'm looking out, I'm looking out of the window. It's, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And then you turn a corner and you're like, no, that's the most, that's the coolest view of anything <laughs> I've ever seen. And it just the whole like two week, week or two, we were there. That was just that like, like we got to pull over and just look at this, this mountain or whatever. Um, so sometimes just the driving in itself, especially I got to play in Colorado about half a dozen times a year for the last three or four years. And um, just driving through the mountains are always enjoy an enjoyable experience. Doesn't even, it's a pretty simple thing, but just, it feels, it feels great to just be out and like it's 80 degrees out, but you look over and there's snow 100 feet away from you still, you know, still <laughs> melting in, in June. Yeah, um, we're just out visiting Kevin Callahan. Yeah, uh, I back in June this he, year. I um when he lived in Boulder, I linked up with him a couple times. He has the the record shop out there, or he he has a he uh, I think he was involved with some sort of yeah record shop. He took me to, and I and um it was great. And that's I love Boulder too. It's a beautiful. That's an awesome. Uh, it's an awesome city. Now. There, uh, I'd imagine that the music scenes differ depending on, on where you go. Well, I mean, let's start let's start at home. You know, how sure. has the local music scene had an effect on uh, what you've done and, and, and what you've been able to accomplish so far? Well, one way or another, you know, all all of the roads, the musical roads, have lead back to here in some way. <laughs> you know, I, I got my start playing here. Everyone that I first met was, in some way, you know, based out of this area. So. And if 
I try to trace everything back. It's like I met this guy and then I ran into this person and I got a gig with that person and I met this very important figure from, from doing all that. It, it really comes back to the small community of Northeast PA, the River Street Jazz Cafe uh, kind of crew is where, is where we would play open mic nights in high school. And from that circle, I essentially met a lot of folks that I still keep in touch with and work with and you know, keep in my, in my close circle of you know, musical colleagues. So what you're saying is open mics are very important to the local music scene, and you should go out and support them as often as possible. Is that, that what you're trying to say? That's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> I've never heard of I one thought. around here, though. Yeah, I wish there was one. Yeah. I think you guys do one. I think you may be missing No, 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 no. <laughs> we've thought about it, but I, I don't think we've ever, we've ever talked about that publicly. <laughs> it was probably somebody else's idea, though. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was, was it Brittany's probably. idea? <laughs> yes. It was. <laughs> was it actually? No, it was actually uh, my friend uh, John Daw uh, got us started in that. Cool. Uh, you know, local businessman and pretty much involved in any good cause you can find in northeastern Pennsylvania. Just a, a really good stand-up guy. He happened to be working for the Woodlands at the time and just brought up the... It, 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 we were only a, a month old at that point as yeah. a publication. And he's just like, hey, this would be a good way to get your name out there. Just throw your name on an open mic and... You know, I'll help you host it, and you know, we'll put we'll put something on or whatever. He said, okay, you know. And the catch was like, hey, you know, we'll get people to show up by, uh, we'll let the audience vote every week on who, whoever, whichever act they like the best. We'll give them fifty dollars cash right out of the register. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, that's a cool concept. You know, cash cash will get people to come out, and then hopefully they'll stay and realize, oh, this is a cool thing, and whatever. Turn them on to the publication. Just kind of grew from there. Right. Well, that's important about building a musical community too. I mean, for me, again, that's how I met a lot of uh, key figures in like the early stages of trying to piece together this musical career. And um, it's a great way to, if you're new to a scene or a musical community, to meet musicians and kind of interact and jam and you know that general looseness of like, oh, this wait, our, you know, our drummer is late. Oh, well, this guy's here. He could play. Why don't we just go up and jam? Or something like that, and that, oftentimes that's how great musical relationships start, just with this, the spontaneous nature of some of stuff like that that happen at open mics or like open blues jams, things of that sort. Right. Yeah, you know, I always try to stress that too. That that's the important part. You know, like we we still offer the 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 cash and and we do like a finals where we have a showcase and stuff like that. But I always try to stress with people like that the real prize here is the networking capabilities that you have here. You know, you. You not only get yourself out there with other musicians and stuff, but to other venues as well. You know, like they they'll see your stuff and say, "Wow, this is really good. I should book these guys in the future." You know, and that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. That's a it's definitely an underutilized and underappreciated aspect of something like an open mic. You know, and it, it's you're never, in my opinion, you're never really above doing, you know, doing events like that. To give you an example, last night I was in yesterday I was in New York City rehearsing i was there today as well um and i had the evening off so i was just trying to see who was around playing and i uh, a buddy of mine mark marshall from fife and drum great band um mm -hmm. i shot him a text I, I said hey i saw you're doing the, the blues thing down at rockwood music hall he's like yeah come down and play so i went down and roy williams was there he's a great musician from this area and it's just it's good to go to those kind of things and and not only support you know your your colleagues and friends but just Get in the mix, you know, whenever you can, and right. capitalize on your your time and opportunities to do so. The uh, uh, Roy, I think, has a new album coming out, right? He has a new album. And he told me he's already recording a new one. So he's. <laughs> I wish I had 
fifty percent of the the uh, songwriting inspiration that he has. Yeah. Um, but he's uh he's one of my favorite musicians from this area, and he I mean he could do no wrong musically. Uh, it's everything he everything he touches seems to be gold. Right. You know, he's a super talented guy. Um, and uh, yeah, just happened to run into him, and it was again like he he and he I feel like a guy like Roy you know understands that that hustle of like it's not just about booking gigs but going to the the hangs the open mics the stuff you know all the all that kind of stuff and like meeting people and like putting yourself out there making yourself uncomfortable you know right. it's, it's important to do that if you live within your comfort zone it doesn't really give you much of an opportunity to grow as a as a player as a person or as a professional networker or colleague or anything like that well, uh, Cabinet's back in the, the news because uh, they, they announced that they're going on hiatus. And yes. that's how they started, back in 2006, I think. Yep. I, um, it was the same summer that my buddies and I started playing open mics. And I, that's where I met Dylan and Pappy and JP and Todd. I don't even think they had a drummer yet. I remember Dylan was working at the Jazz Cafe, and he would go wash dishes, and then he'd go out and like mix the soundboard and hop up on stage to play bass for a few <laughs> tunes and just repeat that all night. Uh, and... Yeah, it started out as a very loose thing, and then, you know, over time, I guess it turned into a, you know, the, uh, the tour de force that is cabinet. Yeah. Um, Does that mean the breakdown is no longer? Well, you know, I, I actually asked uh, I asked Bill Warner about that today, and he said uh, more. He said I'll keep you posted. Uh, hmm. So I don't think even he knows what the future of the, the festival is going to be yet. Because I wanted to confirm that either way. I didn't want to put you know any, anything that wasn't in the article or the you know in the press release right. you know, in the article. But uh, he mentioned the festival, so I figured oh he probably is a good reason for that. I'm, I'm sure they're still trying to figure that out if that's going to be the case. I mean, because you know a lot of people thought Peach Fest would be done because Almond Brothers Band is, is broken up. But True. I mean, you know, there's so many bands that have come out of that and a whole scene of music around that band that you can keep it going you know it's just that's the foundation of it but you yeah. can build off of that so maybe this will be the same kind of thing i don't know yeah it's not it's called the cabinet festival yeah. it's, right you know. and i i don't know anything so you know no secret insider information not, he none, knows everything. No, none whatsoever <laughs> but liar. i I would. I saw. I saw that they made the announcement today, and I'm very yeah. close with a lot of those guys. And um, you know, they're they're all brothers of mine, and and I, I kind of grew up. I grew up alongside of them, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have had a pretty close working relationship with them. And I filled in for them several times, many times. Yeah. Um, I play in projects, you know, with all some members of that band, and uh, I, you know, I work professionally with a lot of those guys, and. Uh, to be a band for 10 years is a serious, serious accomplishment. It's, it's like being in a relationship with six dudes. Six, yeah, six dudes. Right. Um, and that's, a lot of bands don't, a lot of bands can't even make it out of their garage, let alone tour the country and create a name for themselves for 10 years. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of those guys. And I, I think that uh, one way or another, you know, good things are going to come to, to those guys, uh, either individually or whatever they choose to, you know, pursue in the, in the future. Sure. I mean, they have they have solo projects, they have side projects, they have all kinds of stuff that may become big big projects, you know, in the future. I, I know uh, uh, Starbird uh, features uh, Dylan, right? Yep. Both Starbird and Gatos Blancos are, are both involved members of Cabinet, and um, you know, both we're, we we definitely plan on developing those projects more so in the new year and kicking it into a higher gear. And you know, I'm, I've been working on contributing to writing music for both bands and um 
you know, the, it's they're def things are definitely moving in an upward direction with those two projects. I'm excited to I'm excited to see the the musical direction that those take. And um, you know, with with cabinet on hiatus, it definitely gives us a little bit more free time to to invest in that. But at the same token, I mean, I'm sure some guys need need a bit of a break and. It, you know, we're still all juggling. The thing about when you when you start projects with people that are already playing bands, it's more calendars, it's more text threads, it's more email threads. <laughs> right. Sometimes I, I jokingly think that I, I don't necessarily play in however many bands I play in. I'm just in five email chains. <laughs> <laughs> I think one question I had for you was, like, I have a hard enough time focusing on one thing, <laughs> let alone... You know, three, four, five different things. Because obviously, right. every band that you're in has different style to it, probably. And so, like, how do you, how are you able to, like, kind of put focus to all these different, you know? Yeah, well, you know, a couple of things. I definitely have to focus on what's in front of me at that very moment. Um, but I also have to look at what's happening one week out, two months out, four months out. And, you know, this fall has probably been the busiest eight weeks of my music life my music career i had a a two and a half week tour with ryan montblu i had maybe three days off i came back we did the gatos blanco show at ardmore music hall and then literally three days after that we had rehearsals for the starbird brad parsons tour and then we were out for upwards of three weeks and now i got back on i got back late sunday i had about eight hours to myself on monday started rehearsing for the zeppelin stuff I was in New York City yesterday, all day today, just got back. I have this, I have a rehearsal after this. And if you're gonna commit to playing guitar for a living, I feel like you need to, you need to be, A, be able to keep up with that hustle and always kind of operate teetering on the edge of overwhelming disaster. And, or put yourself <laughs> right there to the point where like you could manage it, but if you make like three steps in the wrong direction, you, you'll have nervous breakdown, which happens sometimes and that's, that's fine too. But um. For me, for example, with the Zeppelin sh uh, shows at, uh, at the Jazz Cafe this week, you know, we're, we're covering a lot of ground, Mike Doherty and I, between the two nights. And, you know, both bands are sounding great. But for me, I'm like, I got to I gotta have to, I have all this music that I'm playing on tour in front of me. But I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have to be responsible for successfully executing 50 Zeppelin songs that are not easy. <laughs> so what, what did I do to, to consider that? I mean, way back in October... You know, I, I, I practice every day. I would get up and I would run some songs. I would organize the lists. I would bang through everything. So just so they're kind of fresh in my uh, in my fingers. And then, you know, over the course of the tour, if I ever had a 15-minute pocket, I would just sit down and play some stuff. But I had to put some work in before all of this stuff happened, all the, all the touring stuff, because I knew that it's going to be December 18th and I have four days to, like, hang on tight and get these rehearsals done. But I need to be up to speed on this material before I go in and start getting bands organized and stuff like that. So, right. like I said, you have to think, you have to focus on what's in front of you, but also you need to consider what's two, three months down the road. And um, whether you have just like a weekly residency kind of gig where you have, you're responsible for learning songs, you got to sit down and learn those songs. And then you have to consider what, you know, what you have that weekend and really budget your time accordingly and make sure you're, you're giving yourself enough time to, even if there's not enough time, to at least be up to speed as much as possible on all the different songbooks. And thankfully I've played enough music, you know, early on where I've got, I was able to appreciate all different kinds of music in the context of guitar playing. You know, I did I played in country bands, hip hop bands, rock and roll bands, everything. And you learn those different languages 
not only does that help you develop your own your own chops and your own sound, but then you have that in your in your bag of tricks then right. for for any gig and you just you're you're building upon that vocabulary that you could use for if you get called in to do a session or you get called in to do a gig last minute. Um, you just from playing doing a stint with a country band or whatever, like you have all that all those chops that you would have put work into to uh to develop. So you definitely have to keep up with the hustle and and just, you know, think look at your calendar and just assess what what can I do today to be as productive as possible? I couldn't do it. <laughs> no. Well, Misty Mountain goes all the way back to your high school days. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, met, I talked about this briefly in the, in the Weekender article, but um, basically my high school buddies and I, Mike Doherty, Steve Cornia. Was Matt, Misty Mountain before Dirty Water? Misty Mountain actually was Dirty Water, just Misty with a different name because we used to go play open <laughs> mic nights Tom Moran saw us, and we also did this youth talent expo thing when we were in high school, and Tom Moran happened to be the judge. And um, after we did that, he said, you know, if you guys learn a whole night of Led Zeppelin, I'll book you on the weekend. And we were obviously up for the challenge. We were, we were young and hungry, and it was, I think it was in August, and we got the confirmation maybe in May or June, and we were 16. We didn't have jobs. We didn't have bills. We didn't have responsibilities. So we would just get together every day and just practice that stuff, just day in and day out. And... Uh, we were pretty well rehearsed for that show, and we put a little bit of extra effort into marketing and promotion, and we got like the Rock 107 ads, all that stuff. And that I, I mentioned this in the in the interview. I'm fairly certain that that's the in the probably hundreds of times I played the River Street Jazz Cafe. That's the only show that ever was a, like a, a true on the book sellout, 375 people or whatever. I, I, in fact, I think it was oversold, but that was obviously a, a, a special night, you know, a memorable one for for me. Um, we ran out of songs to play. We had to repeat songs, and we had to play some of our own songs because it was 155, and there was still it was 400, 375 people there or whatever. And uh, we're like, "What do we possibly do? What do we play?" So we played some of our own songs, and it worked. You know, we got the job done, but we didn't know what we got ourselves into. Um, and every year since then, Mike and I have been the you know the, the it's kind of turned into like our project. But we've had different lineups over the years. We try to feature different guests. And when the and we did the holiday show last year, which was the after party for a cabinet show at the Kirby Center, we had uh, Holly Bowling come play with us, which was a great, you know, fun time, great honor. And I kind of had got the idea this year. I'm like, Tom, what would you say you give us both nights? You know, and slightly apprehensive at first, but after a little bit of persuading, he was he was happy to to do that. And um, I wanted to make it as, as awesome as possible because it's. Again, it's something that is important to me. It means a lot to me. It's nostalgic. It, it's kind of a, it's a tip of the hat to, um, you know, where I got my start playing music and my roots and, you know, what I consider to be my home base, River Street Jazz Cafe. And um, I wanted to I wanted to reach out to see if I get to a couple different lineups, feature some local folks, feature some some folks that I've kind of met in my travels that I, I really enjoy playing with that I think would be well suited for playing Led Zeppelin music. And somehow all the calendar God's stars aligned where we got the great lineup on Friday and we have the more local guys on Saturday and it's it somehow worked out. I couldn't be able to tell you how that, that did, but I had you know, lots of emailing, lots of texting, lots of coordinating with my own calendar and um, lots of rehearsals and or not, actually not a lot of rehearsals, but enough rehearsals to, for me to feel great about it. But it took about nine months of planning to get this all straightened out Jeez. with everything. I think for I this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I think I talked to Tom back in February about booking it 
And then March through July was just me like trying to figure out exactly like a system that would work where, you know, seeing who's available, seeing how we could really pull off like the different lineups and all the, I went through all the old set lists because we've played close to a hundred Zeppelins. We played, we played almost every Zeppelin song in the last 10 years. <laughs> um, but I wanted to pick, I wanted to not repeat any songs because I've just been, I've got, I've kind of got some inspiration from, you know, some of these veteran bands that play, you know, Springsteen, Pearl Jam, Tom Petty, Fish, you know, all, all these veteran live staple bands that go out and they do these three night runs, Fish did the 13 night run, they no, didn't repeat a single song. I'm like, if they could do 13 nights and not repeat a single song, we should not repeat a single song for two nights at the Jazz Cafe. Right. And also it, it'll give fans an incentive to, to go both nights and get totally different experiences with different bands and different songbooks. Um, so yeah, it, it took a good amount of work to, to make, to make this all happen. And I'm, I'm really excited that the, you know, the week's finally here. And the, and again, you know, the fact that it's the holidays and that, um, it's a, a lot of my friends from high school, college are, are, are in and family and everyone's in. It's like, I like to think of it as throwing a party for, you know, my, my friends, family, and, you know, longtime supporters of, uh, me or the band or the music scene. Yeah, it's a perfect weekend for something like that. Absolutely. Can you uh, explain to the audience like what this weekend is, just in case? Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's it's we're talking about it. So but. it was it was ten years ago that we uh, the, that first Led Zeppelin tribute show happened, and um, we've managed to do one every year um, since then. So this is the the official, I guess, ten year anniversary of of that first Led Zeppelin tribute, which was essentially my first or our first big show in this area. So every year I try to, you know, we try to do um, a holiday show around, a show around the holidays with that. Um, and we have two nights, we have two great lineups. Uh, on Friday night, we have Karina Reichman who plays a Marco Benevento, uh, Dave Butler who also plays a Marco Benevento and uh, a, a great band called Guster. And uh, Eric Deutsch who plays with Leftover Salmon, uh, Charlie Hunter he also plays with, he's played with John Schofield uh, Citizen Cope, and virtually everybody in New York City and beyond. I mean, he's, um, I played a few shows with him before, and he's, he's one of the, one of the most talented musicians I've ever had the pleasure of working with. So that's night one. Night two are guys that I have long histories of working with and playing with. Uh, AJ Jump, I've played countless gigs with him all across the board. Hip-hop gigs, rock gigs, I've played in probably a half dozen to ten different bands with him over the last ten years, and He's the kind of guy who could cover every style pretty flawlessly, but particularly the rock stuff. And there's no doubt that, you know, he's he's probably my favorite local guy to, to handle the rock the rock and roll drumming. Uh, Matt Gabriel, uh, one of my best friends and longtime musical colleagues. We used to live a couple blocks away from here. Um, we used to play in Miz together. We played in... Him and I have also played in about 10 different projects together, you know, whether they were throwout gigs or we used to do a weekly residency thing over at... Um, Riverside Cafe for many years, and then uh, yeah. to, it was kind of convenient because we lived um, we lived on Mallory Place, and then we play Riverside Cafe, and you know we we would just walk home if we needed to. It was, it was like our it's our drinking night. <laughs> um, Mike Doherty, who again he was a part of the first first Zeppelin tribute, and a longtime musical collaborator, you know one of my oldest friends in the world, and uh, he will he he'll be doing the vocal duties, and then we have a couple guests. Friends of mine, um, great you know local rock musicians. Aaron Fink uh, used to play in Breaking Benjamin. He uh, he had, he's a you know, he's been writing some solo records recently. He's been playing around with a bunch of folks. 
uh, Dustin Drevich, another friend of mine I used to play in his band. Um, great rock guitar player, one of the great talents of this area. Um, and maybe some other guests too, I don't know. But that's uh, that's what we got for, for right now. And it's definitely, I couldn't I couldn't think of a better pool of people to, to play this kind of music with for, um, for this weekend. That's for sure. Well, it's funny, uh, Matt Thehan. Uh, oh, sh- oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said, uh, or asked, uh, what's it like playing with the Dane, Matt Gabriel? You mentioned Matt, so I figured... Oh, the Dane, yeah. He's, um... <clears throat> Dane is... I hope Dane's listening. Uh, I'm going to see him in a couple hours, but he is, uh... He's one of the the best people I've ever met. I was a groomsman in his wedding recently, right next door at the Kirby Center. Um, early on, he... Let me, let me see if I can get this right, actually. Early, so I used to play in a band with him called Suicidio, which is, to this day, one of my favorite bands I've ever played in. Uh, Angelo Maraglia, Ben Travers, Dane and I, and Dane comes in one day and he's like, I, I think you got the gig with Leroy Jess. Like, I'm going to, like, I think that's going to happen or whatever. And I'm like, you're full of shit. You know, get out of here or whatever. So he kind of helped facilitate that, one of my first big kind of uh, regional national gigs. And then, like, the next week, Mike Mazwinski calls me and he was like, Hey man, do you know of any bass players? So naturally, I suggested his name, and then the stars all kind of aligned where we were playing in Miz together, and we were touring pretty good for a couple years. Um, I think it was summer 2012. That was like one of my personal favorite years of playing music. I just joined Leroy Justice, and for that summer, for whatever reason, we got this uh, handicap bus that Dane, who was an engineer before he uh, played music, he does he designed this corral in the back for all of our gear and bunks that we could sleep in and we were playing a lot of like kind of uh crunchy pennsylvania jam band festivals where like some of those i didn't necessarily need to be like hanging around (laughs) folks you know playing hacky sack and stuff like that so we would just hang out in our bus and it felt like it was a tour bus and it was awesome but so that was kind of the early stages of us working together and then over the years i mean when i was living here and kind of hitting it really hard. Him and I would play all sorts of gigs together. I mean, and he's the kind of guy you could count on. You call him on Tuesday for a gig on Wednesday to learn 30 songs. Somehow he'll pull it off. I can't even do that. But he is um, a very special person in my life. And I'm, again, one of my best friends. And I'm, I'm, I'm super thankful he's on, he's on Saturday night. Well, you know, it's funny. We were talking before this started that we have known each other for about 11 years, 12 years. We haven't seen each other in a while. The last time I saw you was in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. With Matt, the Dane, <laughs> for the Ryan Adams show. Oh, my God. I don't know God. if you were there. I was, yep, that was the last time I saw you, yeah, I think. Yeah, but we went to that bar afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the last time the, I saw you. The Ryan him. Adams solo. 2011? Ryan Adams, oh, yeah. No, nine? I don't know. <laughs> that, was, that was the Ryan Adams solo show. Yeah. Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a great show. It was the first time I ever saw Ryan Adams. Me too. That, that was a good time. I, that so, it, so that was the last time you and I have seen each other. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking it was my 29th birthday, so that was 2010. Was, I think it was I, December of 2010. I just I think I just turned 21, so that would make sense. 2000 I was born in 1989, so 2010 is 21. Because yep. I remember I went to get some some beers with you guys afterwards. Yeah. And that bar we went to has since been uh, uh, rescued by Bar Rescue. 
What what bar was that? I don't remember what it was called. Like Lickety Splits or some shit like that. Lickety or? Splits. That's absolutely right. And, that's uh, so that's and, hilarious. Yeah, and Matt was so hammered. He was blowing in the uh, the DUI like uh, <laughs> it was like one of those uh, pay machines. Yeah. yeah. Trying to see out. Trying to see. <laughs> yeah. We could outscore each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that, was, that, that was a great. That was a great time. You, you think we went to go see this rock and roll show? We went to go see this like really delicate, sad, <laughs> yeah, was, sad was, singer songwriter yeah. solo performer guy, and then we're just like. Let's chug some beers after this. <laughs> right. We had to, like, you know, get up. Yeah. Yeah. We went from, like, this acoustic... It was at the theater, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a def... That was what... That was a great... That was a really great show. Yeah. That was a, a gift for my wife for uh, my birthday. So, yeah, that was... My birthday was November. That was December. I remember I just broke up with my girlfriend, who I was supposed to go to that show with, so I just took a friend of mine. So it was a yeah. much, much different situation for me, but the yeah. music was fittingly appropriate. Yeah. That's it. How about that? Yeah. Speed. I'm, I'm getting thirsty. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this last time. one was really good. Of course. Uh, mm. Had had a great. Uh, had a Packs of punch. To it. Yeah. Yeah. It was the uh, the, the punch talk one. for hours if we keep keep drinking that. Yeah. Oh, seriously. We're, we're, just wait. We're just getting started. <laughs> we're already like 40 minutes oh. in. And oh. uh, what do we got? Uh, we'll do the Benny Brewing Company uh, Benny Fest. Oh. One of the 72 beers on tap. At Beer Boys, on North Washington Street in Wilkes-Barre. You're so good at that. That's good. The kind of like seamless uh, establishment plug there. Yes, yes. We try. We try to do that as, as shamelessly as possible. I'm psyched to be on a podcast because I love podcasts. I drive so much, and that saves my life on the road. Um, so it's cool to actually be on an a, a, re a real podcast. But would you would you listen to yourself on a podcast? Though? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm not. That's um. Like listen, to, like listen to this podcast, or like, yes. yeah, I'll, I'll probably listen back, yeah, see how much of an idiot I sounded like. Um, I, I've always hated the sound of my own. Voice. Me too. I think most people do. Me too. It's you really know, bad. Really uncomfortable. It's really, with it. really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if I do any singing, I listen back to recordings. I'm just like, even if it's even if it actually sounds good, which, who knows if it does? I'm like, oh god, you know, I always hear my voice as if it's on a, I'm talking on a telephone or something. Right. You know, it sounds muffled and not quite correct. Yeah. Like, I didn't mean for myself to sound like that, <laughs> but somehow it always it always does. See, I always I always think I, I sound like a like a giant nose, like I'm real real nasally. I feel like everyone sound thinks that I, they because I feel the exact same way. Whenever I talk, whenever I like leave a voicemail and I listen back or someone plays, I'm like, just turn it off. I can't even deal with. It. I can't even listen <laughs> to that. That sounds terrible. That was my biggest fear about being on the radio was uh, hosting a show and having to hear my voice because yeah, you sound like a jerk off. Well, that's why <laughs> Brittany probably bails you guys out. You know, she's got, she got a great, I feel like she's got a great announcer voice. She does. Well, she we've does. been bailing her out for the past, like, month, Brittany. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she's got Jeez. a lot of, because when this guy takes off for, Yeah, this, this is my last show for... For a while. Well, I mean... She better you know, be here. A couple, few weeks, maybe a month or so. I don't want to have to do this myself. Yeah. Brittany, you're in charge the next month, so don't fuck it up. <clears throat> <laughs> But we we have plenty of, the, of episodes of this show to listen to if you're ever looking for something on the road. I've checked out a couple. Okay. I've checked a couple. Some, some, you, you've, you've listened to a few. Like the, the JP Beyondo one was yeah, great. Yeah, was, was a big I was a big fan of that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great episode. I, I don't. I bet you he's not listening to this one. It's all right, though. <laughs> you got to yeah. send it to him. Make sure that he sees it. Tom Moran had a question. Yeah, speaking, speaking of, uh, of which, uh, he said, uh, what is your favorite venue to play? That's a great question. Obvi well... River Street Jazz Cafe, obviously. 
River Street Jazz Cafe, River Street Jazz Cafe, you gotta in say Plains, that. Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, but nationwide, I, I've, I, there's a couple that stick out to me um, in recent years that I definitely would, would love to elaborate on a little bit. Um, I just actually did a little did a little piece for Mike Lello about about that not too long ago. But um, this year, well, uh, Levon Helms Barn got the T-shirt. Uh, definitely a highlight for me. That was one of the cooler recent venue venues I've played. It's the barn that the Bob Dylan and the band used to rehearse at and record at. Oh, since nice. he passed, or when I guess Levon Helm got into um, health problems, they started doing shows there to raise money uh, to help pay for some of his medical expenses. Mm. And it's a little barn. It's a barn <laughs> that holds maybe 200 people seated downstairs, his standing room upstairs. I played there with Ryan Montblou, and um, that place has some really heavy, special magic in there, you know. And, it's, it's, and there's, so, there's memorabilia everywhere. Um, and the highlight of that was at the end of the night, Levon Helm's wife, who lives next door, we were packing up, getting ready to leave. She brought, brings over, or she left us this plate of, like, slop, it looked like. And it, she's, it, was, it was a peach cobbler, and she wrote a note that says, it looks like hell, but it tastes like heaven. And it was right. <laughs> so that was cool. But um, other than that, Fox Theater in Boulder, I played there a few times. I played there with... Um, American Babies uh, a few times over the years. We played there earlier this year with uh, Marcus King. Um, that is a really special place, the place that I've been thankful to play. Uh, Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. Uh, it's another one where there's just so much musical history in that room. You know, it's, it's definitely a little haunted, for sure. And uh, it's for me, that's like the perfect size room because to go see a show or to play at because it's intimate. It's I think it holds about 1,700 people. And... You could seventeen hundred people. You could see everybody, you know, in in, in the crowd, and it's it, it's not too big. It's not too small. Same with the Fox Theater. I think the Fox Theater holds about seven hundred people. So it's like it's intimate, but it's not too big. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I've got to play at Nectar's up in Burlington, Vermont, a bunch uh, in the last couple of years, and that has a bit of a magic to it as well. You know, with Fish getting their start there, and right. there's there's definitely a bit of a vibe there. There's been a lot um, recently. I played at the Coho's Music Hall. In Albany, New York, which was, um, I think it's the, the f third or fourth oldest theater in America. Ooh. And they, it was it was not in operation for the last 30 or so years, but they just refurbished it, opened it up. And um, unbelievable, beautiful tapestry on the walls. And, and you, you, you walk in there and it feels like you walked into an abandoned old building. It has that smell to it. Yeah. But the acoustics, I mean, it was designed for people to go watch plays in you know, the 18, the late 1800s. So it's like it was designed to be acoustically sound. So naturally, bands sound really good there. Right. But there's been, I could I could talk for hours on that because there's just been there's been so many and even like some of this, it doesn't have to necessarily be a big venue for it to be cool, you know. And um, I'm trying to think of maybe one other one that that was a bit of a highlight. Brooklyn Bowl, that's a great one too. I've Leroy Justice. We used to play there pretty regularly, and I played there recently with Starbird, and America Babies played there a bunch, and that is uh, like something out of an Andy Warhol film, where it's just, uh, it's it's um, it's a bowling alley, but then there's a stage, a big standing room, holds about six, 700 people, and that's a, just a great-sounding rock venue that's kind of a huge, um, it's a huge, like, world's colliding kind of huge circle of, like, the New York City thing with Pete Shapiro, who's a a guy who owns the Capitol Theater, and he put on the Grateful Dead 50th anniversary shows, and he's a big he's a big time player in in, in the music scene, and that's kind of his baby. And oh, okay. um, 
I also, there's, there's, and there's also a Brooklyn Bowl in Las Vegas and in London. And I got to play the one in Vegas as well, which looks pretty much identical. To, it freaks me out <laughs> to the one a little bit bigger, but um, it's, it's essentially the same vibe. It smells the same. It's like when you go into a casino, the casinos like always smell the same. Yeah. Um, same thing with the Brooklyn Bowls. <laughs> but countless other ones too, but those are definitely some highlights for me. I hope, I hope Tom is satisfied with my... <laughs> but def, again, River Street Jazz Cafe in Plains, PA, that's um, obviously the favorite. Of of, well, of course. Well, you know, that, that uh, brings up something I wanted to ask about, too, is, uh, you know, a lot of people we have on the show, we, we talk about the local music scene and we talk about other cities and their scenes and stuff like that. Is there anything that you've seen outside of this area that maybe our area could learn from in terms of, uh, you know, what they do out there, or, you know, how the scenes are out there as compared to here? Totally. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty... I'd go a couple different angles with that, but generally I think that the music scene here is you know, moving in the right direction. I've, I've been loosely a part of it long enough where I've seen a bit of a wave where when I first kind of came around, Murray's was still a thing. I got to play at Murray's once before it closed down mm-hmm. and um, the Jazz Cafe. And there was a time where, you know, there was music virtually every night and that would be bars and clubs filled with people. I, I caught the tail end of that like 2005, 2007 wave. And then... Um, you know, from there, it seemed to kind of, it kind of arc back into people developing original music more. And um, I think the most, generally speaking, I think the most important thing, you know, the time I spent in Burlington, Vermont, and New York City, and is you really need to embrace the community thing. You know, people people often complain that there's not opportunities to um, to go see music or to do things. You have to create those opportunities, and you have to you have to support, you know, your your colleagues. It, it shouldn't be a cutthroaty thing. It should be a community thing, the art scene in general, not just the music scene. And I think with other cities, there's more of an appreciation for that. So that's how, you know, a city like Burlington, Vermont could really thrive on that because everyone appreciates it and, and doesn't really, and not to say that this area doesn't appreciate art or music, but I think it's, it's just that whole idea of like, we're all kind of in this together, you know, like even coming to do this, uh, it, it all kind of, it gives back to the greater sense of the art community and and i think it's great that you guys do this because again it raises awareness of things music functions that are happening that people wouldn't be able to know about otherwise but yeah we're all in it together and it it shouldn't it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be cutthroaty there should be plenty of places for people to play and plenty of shows for people to um to go attend and see and play and i think this i think that wilkes-barre scranton is moving in that direction you know there's been some new venues opening aj just opened up a venue and uh, aj jump and um I think, I, yeah, I think it's facilitating, you know, opportunities and more action for there to, to build, kind of build a scene. And, uh, you know, Cafe Metropolis is another thing. It's like, you know, I, I watched, I, I, kind of, I went there a time or two when I was in high school. I played there once or twice. And I think that it's cool. It's like there's the Keys in Scranton and the Bog and all, and AJ's new spot. There's, there's, and there needs to be more than one place for music to occur for, for, for different music scenes because there's more than one music scene here you know and there's all different kinds of bands trying to trying to figure stuff out and trying to um make shows happen so i guess generally speaking that that's kind of um that's kind of where where the angle i would take with that it's just uh you know it shouldn't be cutthroaty we're all in it together we're all working essentially towards the same goal which is to have a an art rich musical community or just an art rich community in general um and you know you guys and 
and Brittany, I mean, huge players in, in, in that in, in this area. And I, and I definitely appreciate it, even though I'm not directly always involved with the North, with the Northeast scene. I feel a responsibility and a willingness to contribute positively any way I possibly could. So with that, for me, that might mean putting on shows, maybe, for, you know, um, try whenever I do something here, I try to really make it count. I really try to put some extra effort into to kind of let people know that like if you want to if you want to do an event you have to put a little bit of extra work into it to to make it to make it stand out to get people excited you want to give people uh, you know some incentive to come to the thing and unfortunately that means you have to spend more time on the, on the phones on the social media and I hate it but um, at the same time it's 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 ne it's a necessity in 2017 and you got to do it you know you got to put that extra effort in and I honestly I think Wilkesbury has the potential to be the Portland Oregon of the Northeast in like the next 10 years, you know, and I hope that it does because there's so many talented musicians and artists here. Some of my favorite musicians and artists are from Northeast PA and I, I, I you know, nothing more I want than to see them have a platform to do their thing and be appreciated. Yeah, I, I feel like I've said this probably more times than people care to hear, but, uh, you know, what you're we're talking about, you know, back in the day, when I say back in the day, I'm talking 10 to 15 years ago. Um, it was very cutthroat, but I feel like, you know, now in, in 2017 and hopefully beyond, it is very, you know, like the bands are the other band's biggest supporters. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's becoming that, you know, you, what you guys are doing on Friday and Saturday, you know, all collaborating and, and, and putting on these two shows and, uh, just you know, a lot of bands playing, you know, four or five bands in the same bill. Yep. You know, it's very, everyone's very supportive of each other as opposed to back in the day, you know, it was just... Absolutely. And along those lines, one thing I failed to mention and one thing that is kind of important to consider is that when you're building a band and you're starting to, and you're starting to get things in order and you're starting to build a band, Cabinet's a great example. Cabinet is actually the most perfect example of this, but you're not building a fan base, you're building a community. And that community involves other musicians and people that go to these events and they like to feel like they're a part of uh, of something that's bigger than them. Grateful Dead is the cl most classic example of that on a larger scale, but yeah. people often go to or, or music Peach Festival, Susquehanna Breakdown. People don't people go to see the music, but they also go to see those people that they w that they see at all those events right. because it's a community that you're building, and you you have to consider that when you when you're making a band and when you're putting shows together and stuff like that. It's not about getting people in the door and ticket costs and stuff like that. It's it's about building a collection of people that are f starting with your with your friends and other bands and then growing outward from there to, to people that appreciate what you do and people that and, and there should be you're never too big to talk and to be a part of y your fan base. It's one big gigantic thing. And again, we're all in it together. So it's like people forget that. And it's good to remember you're, you're, it's more about building a community than, than just getting people in the door. Especially in an area where everybody knows everybody. Oh, you know, Wil Wilkesbury, especially on that on that note. <laughs> right. You know, you, you don't want to say the wrong thing to the wrong person and then go, oh, wow, now I've pissed off half the community. Right. <laughs> because of one stupid thing, you know. Like, yeah. Everybody should just, just get along. It shouldn't be like a closed club. It should, you know, everybody should be invited. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm, you know, doing a show on Saturday. I, keep, I, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm keep plugging my show, but... Um, just the support that I get, you know, from the bands that are so appreciative of, you know, their song being played and heard on the radio. Right. And it's, it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. I'm not setting the world on fire. I can't I can't even talk, let alone have a, a radio show. But um, 
you know, I think it's a, it's, and it's not the first time it's been done. Like Alan Stout's done it. You know, he's doing it. Um, It, it just, it's, it's, it's cool to be a part of. So I mean, I mean, I've loved local music since I was sixteen. I wanted to be able to be twenty one, so I go to the bars and and see bands play. So, you know, when I saw you guys play for the first time, I was probably twenty one, and you were sixteen, and I'm like, these guys are, are good. It's, it's exciting, too. You know, it's yeah. like I just wanted to, like, be in the mix. You know, I wanted yeah. to, like, go out and just, like, be seen by people yeah. <laughs> in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Which can, can be tough because, like, some of us are, are kind of are introverted or, yep. you know, you might be a, you know, a music fan and, and, like, you know, going to a concert is, like, a, a struggle. It's like, I don't want to be in front right. of all these people, but I want to experience this music and stuff. But once you're there and once you're into it and you feel like you're a part of something, all that stuff goes away. Yeah, Absolutely. And people, different people go to shows for different reasons. Some people, I personally, as of lately, the last couple of years, I've really gotten into a habit of like, sometimes just leaving my phone in the car. And like, mm. I, I got to go see Tom Petty. This is a funny story. I got to go see Tom Petty about two months before he passed. And I'm thankful that I did. And um, I remember to the right of me was a dude who was had more drinks than we have had this evening. And <laughs> he started talking to me and like he... He was like, he didn't really know who Tom Petty was. His girlfriend dragged him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, man, it's been great chatting with you. But when Tom Petty starts, like, please don't talk to me because <laughs> I don't, I'm here to like, just be in this zone for two hours. I want, I have two hours with one of my heroes. Right. I don't want to talk to you. And then like first song in, he comes back over to me. I'm like, as I mentioned, <laughs> as I mentioned, don't take it the wrong way. The next time you talk to me, I'm not going to acknowledge you and I'm going to watch Tom Petty. And I, I don't intend to be rude, but right. I'm in this building right now. I'm at Boston Gardens. I'm going to do this. I'm sorry. I don't intend any disrespect. So <laughs> that's a good example of that. But, like, I try to just, like, yep. really um, get away from my phone, get away from even documenting it. Maybe at the end I'll take a shot with my phone. But I, I like to just get – because for me, too, as a performer, it's nice to step away from, like, the, the whole idea of, like, me putting myself in their shoes of like seeing what's going on on stage or like that guy's monitor isn't working. How are they going to, that guy's guitar broke. How, and just like experiencing just the, the magic that is live music. Right. And I kind of, for a couple of years, I couldn't really, I had a hard time with like going to a show and taking myself out of that shoe, out of that kind of headspace. But as of the last year or two, I've kind of got back around to like really enjoying live music on a large and small scale. Well, so many people, I think, want to record the whole damn show, and it's like, what are you going to do with that? You know, like, at, at most, you will upload it to YouTube where a dozen people are going to watch it, you know, because yeah, it's a crappy cell it, phone thing that has no real sa- real good sound. At, it's Al, all the way in the back. My buddy know? Al Smith said this, and I, I doubt he's listening, but he's like, nobody needs to hear or see another shitty 10-second YouTube clip of, of, of Bon Jovi, <laughs> at, you know? Or, or like, you go... There's certain people that, like, they go see um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then they just post a picture, and then underneath they just put the song they're playing. It's the same fo- blurry, <laughs> shitty photo right. 20 times in a row. Like, nobody needs that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's good, it's good to, it, for me at least, get off my phone a little bit and try to enjoy the, the live music. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'll, I'll try and, like, do one video. Me, well, me, me like, too. One picture. I'm, I'm not perfect, you know? Yeah. You know, but, like, <laughs> no, none of I, mean, no I was just at the Menzier show on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, this guy had his arm up the entire time. Right. And he's washing it through his phone. <laughs> like, That's ridiculous. Dude, like, it looks so much further away on your phone than if you just, like, put it down and watch the show. Hey, guys, 
in front of you, it's an HD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it could, and it could change your life, too. No, and I, again, I'm guilty. I'm not going to say I didn't put my phone out and take... But the thing is, I'll take a video, and that will never even see the light of day. I will yeah. put it... I'll put it on my... It'll, it'll go on my computer just yep. by... You know, accident because I you know yeah, I transfer you, stuff over. I'll never watch it again. Yeah, I no, never watch them. no. You'll show your friend, and the speakers are speakers are blasted out, and you I can't even friends. you can't even hear it's, anything. It's so, it's so bizarre. I just I, I do it just to, to have even, it. Even when we're out covering a show, you know, a lot of times I'll take you know a, a, a short clip or a, you know Instagram a picture or something like that, and I try to do that once right at the beginning, and then watch the rest of it. You know, I try not to let that ruin my experience, too. You yeah. know, especially if I'm going to write about the show, if I'm so concerned about getting a stupid, crappy picture on my phone, then I'm not going to actually experience the show. I'm not going to be able to write about it yep. in, in any correct way or any way that would be interesting to anyone. Yeah. I always think I'll watch it again. I never, I never, <laughs> no, I never yeah, do. It, I never the 10-second clip is, is all, you know, I, I do yeah, it myself, but, too, sometimes. Sometimes I'll wait till the very, very end. Yeah. I'll do it like, all right, here's the one time of the show, take out, get a little video. Right. But like my for my favorite song. My, you know. Yeah. Sure. But it's cool to kind of get lost in the show too. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to uh, to grab a couple of these questions. Uh, oh, Ro sure. Robert Fallon. Robert uh, Fallon. Hey, Robert. Uh, he said, uh, hey, Justin, what is the first album you bought? Probably like Backstreet Boys or something like that. <laughs> Nothing good, uh, but the the first rock album I actually got it was 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 Led Zeppelin, ironically enough, or Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin. Very okay. very cliche to say that, but around the age ten. That's that's, uh, that's where you should start at, at Joan Ardone's Gallery of Sound, another great Wilkes-Barre establishment in yes. in Dallas, Pennsylvania. They had a I used to spend all my allowance money there just buying CDs <laughs> um, from age like ten to sixteen or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin were the two first like rock. CDs albums I bought that weren't like NSYNC or something like that because I was like eight years old when NSYNC came out and I I thought they were definitely cool for like a couple a couple months. They were. Uh, you know what? I think I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Uh, actually, uh, I I could say for sure my first album was a Weird Al album. Okay. Uh, I that, that's actually what got me like as as weird as that sounds. Like I'd listen to the parodies of these songs and then go, huh, I like this stuff. I already like puts on great live songs, shows too. You know? Heard his live he, shows are kick-ass. His got live a great shows band. are amazing. You know, I, I think he's such, he's such a funny guy. He's such an interesting guy. Uh, I've always I've always been a, a fan. I'm, I'm still definitely a fan. He owns a certain brand of humor that no one else could touch. It, exactly, exactly. He does it so well. And there's so many people now that do parodies that it seems like it should be passe, but he's still the master of yep. it. You know, every album that he puts out is still still gold. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And he keeps it very, it's family friendly, but not in a like, oh, God, this is so, like, you know, bad yeah. or cheesy it, kind it, of way. Well, it's like Seinfeld. He doesn't use any uh, curse words, you know, right. yet it's still some of the funniest shit I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. yeah. My first cassette was Aerosmith Get a Grip. Not bad. Okay, yeah. And my first actual CD was uh, The President's. United States of America. <laughs> yes. And fuck my neighbor, Trisha Kernag. She almost fucking ruined it on me because the first song is called Kitty, I believe it is. And uh, <laughs> it's like, it, this kitty's at my feet, I want to touch it. Yeah. And it eventually goes, fuck you, kitty, you're going you're gonna to spend the night outside. And uh, she told my parents that they said the F word. <laughs> and almost got it taken off me. Fucking lucky. <laughs> uh, so, first shows. What were your first concerts? 
My first show was uh, The Offspring at the Pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a two-night uh, sh- uh, thing of uh, Dave Matthews Band, Giant Stadium. I think you got us both beat. I Hootie and the Blowfish. For That's me, all right. I could stand behind that though. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly proud. Who's Mike, all right? Mike Doherty's first show. Who kill me if I said this? But he Spice Girls. Mike, <laughs> Mike Doherty. Good for you, Mike. Mike Doherty. He be, so I, I always remember that. I think that's amazing. I think that's hilarious. It's <laughs> hilarious. What, what, with your sister, Mike. You, yeah, he went. Yeah, he went with Kelly. <laughs> and his mom. Oh boy, nice. <laughs> I don't know how he got dragged into that, but he loves it. Uh. Matthew Freehan says, uh, didn't you fly from uh, gig to gig, uh, state to state, uh, one year? Oh, yeah. Uh, 2012. Um, that, that crazy summer. Um, <laughs> so, Miz got booked for Peach Fest, and Leroy Justice was booked the same day to play Modown. And I had a kind of obligations to play the, the Modown set, but being that I'm, I was 22 or... I was like, I'll never play montage again. It's the only time in my life I could play montage. We were, <laughs> we were booked on the big stage, and like I have to play the big stage. Oh, and man. we played with Miz at like 1230, and the Leroy Justice set was at 415, and it's like a three-hour drive. I'm like, it's not quite – I can't drive. I know I can't drive. So I had a little bit more money to blow back then, I guess, than I do now. But I was like, how could I – I'll get a, I'll get a, I get a pilot. I could get a plane. So I, I just start cold calling people that might be able to help me. Like just people I indirectly know. And I was like, this guy, Carl Kaminsky. I'm like, Carl, I play here at this time. I need to get here for this time. Could you like, just let me know what the quote is and if you can do it. And he got back to me almost immediately. And I'm like, we're doing it. We, we are doing this. And that talk about planning. Like I had to have like, I had to build two separate guitar rigs. I had to send one with Leroy Justice. Ben Travers set everything up for me. And then literally I had, I had to call the police because it was so tight on time. We're like, and this, it's funny because it's not like I'm playing with you two at like Live Aid and I have to, right. you know, but I'm, to me at the time, it might as well have been because it was two, humo- two of the biggest festivals I've ever played in my life. So Miz does the Peach Fest thing. I, I actually had a police escort get me right out of the fest. Like I walked off stage got into my car, was escorted by police out of Montage to 81, drove right to the Evoca Airport, got out of my car, got in a plane. It was like an hour plane ride. We landed at some weird grassy airport like 15 miles outside of Modown. <laughs> Our buddy uh, from Leroy Justice picked me up, uh, hopped in the car, and I was like walking up to the stage like right as we were about to sound check. Mm-hmm. And we were flying in between two thunderstorms. <laughs> and I looked over to my left and right, and it was like just black clouds and rain and lightning bolts and we got there it wasn't raining i like chugged a red bull probably a beer and and then hit it and then in terms of like ever have too much caffeine and start to crash like (laughs) the adrenaline and the caffeine after that i like i've never crashed harder in my in my life i was like i think i i think i fell asleep at like 9 p.m that night in a tent you know at at mowdown (laughs) And uh, it was totally I, worth it. I had no idea how big this guy was. I told <laughs> that, you well, you'd make it one day. Please well, <laughs> escorts to the airport. I, I, want, I have to look back and see. I don't know if I actually made any money that day because the whole flight <laughs> thing actually cost a lot to do. Absolutely, yeah. But right. it, it's worth the story. There's a video yes. on YouTube, too, of that. Of I like had a camera that I got most of the day. But like got, I was so pumped at one point, I just like the camera died. I'm like, I, fuck it, I don't care. Like This is awesome. One, one thing I tell my friend about... or. My, my saying is uh, it's all about the story. 
Oh yeah. It doesn't matter what the fuck happens, like you know, good, bad. It's all about the story, and we have tons of them, you know, Punta Khan, all that kind of shit, and so that's cool. Yeah, so that's the story. You know what? When you're eight years old, that's all you have. I have that. I, I could. I could say that. I, exactly. I could say that I flew from. I had to fly at one point in my life. There was such a high demand for me <laughs> that I had to fly from gig to gig, <laughs> festival to festival. That's great. Chad uh, Mummert says, uh, what great bands do you think have played in our city that aren't really recognized? Let's see here. Well, I, I, um, well I guess that would be more towards the, the side of like local bands then, right? right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, there's there's some great new bands coming up that I, I'm kind of like, I've kind of been out of the scene for a minute, but I come back and I see there's like always new New yeah. stuff. Tom Moran turned me on to the, the, the fake fight guys. I think that mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, we had we had them on the show. But on the contrary, I mean, there's there's other guys that I know. Like, uh, I mean, some of the best guitar players. Hey yo, some of the best guitar players that I ever um, that that I know are from here. Yeah, John Novakovich, Mike Mazwinski, Dustin Drevich, Aaron Fink. Those guys are some of the best guitar players I know, and uh, I feel like the the guitar the guitar scene here is underappreciated because like mm. I've been able to I was. Been able to travel the country and see some great talents. I was in Nashville last week. I was in New York City last night, and these some of these guys here can stand toe to toe with any pro, any big time guitar player I've I've ever met. Um, but you know, in addition to that, it's one thing to remember too with this area is it's it's a small town, and like you're catering to even in a, when if there's a big art rich community, it's a it's a it's not the biggest amount of people, you know that. Right. So you have to keep that keep that in mind, where it's like this is an intimate city for for live music, and I th I think that's both I think that's kind of a cool thing too, because it's like you really you get to brush elbows with people a little bit more, and again talking about that sense of community, it's like uh, I think it's really it's, it's it's cool. You get to get to meet people a little bit easier, and you get to kind of see a show that if you were to go to New York, there might be ten times the amount of people there, but like you get to go see someone at the Kirby Center, where maybe if they're playing at the Kirby. They'd be playing at a, a room that holds eight thousand people in New York City. Right. Yeah. Definitely. They, he's been booked. Uh, you know, Will Beekman's been killing it in terms of booking that, stuff. That absolutely. You know, this kid, article came out that says, you know, what they've done there has contributed to ten million dollars in revenue. Right in the city. Yeah, in and around the city, which is. I'm gonna blame him for no fucking parking on the goddamn square. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus I, I, Christ, I blame Will. him for me being out of breath running up here at 6:57. Fat uh, <laughs> Will, um. I need a parking spot in the front on Wednesdays at seven o'clock. Yeah, if, you, if you could just it's you like know, the mayor's parking out. spot, you yeah, get your own you know, parking yeah. spot. Put an NED scene logo yeah, like right in the front. Just there to, that tag we the tag the thing. For taxes yeah, only. Yeah. No, no, no. This is for Popco. He's fat. <laughs> He's fucking fat. Leave him go. <laughs> Uh, one other, one other thing we, uh, sure. Robert, uh, said, uh, what musician is on your bucket list, uh, to play with anybody that you would like to share a stage? I mean, you've, sh you've shared a stage with, uh, quite a few, uh, great acts over the years, but anybody, I want that, I, or, I'm sorry. I want the, <laughs> I want the, uh, the weird Al gig. Yes. I'll get the weird, uh, if weird, weird Al calls me for a couple fill in gigs. I would happily <laughs> do that. Give, but, give weird Al his due, especially but, his band is crazy too. Cause they can play so many different genres. Flawless. Oh yeah, it's you definitely have to have good. Those guys are definitely pros, serious dudes. They're not. They're not weird. They're very good. Yes. <laughs> but on a more serious note, it's kind of cool because, like, even on Friday night, I mean, I've known Dave Butler, the guy on drums, for a while, and Eric Deutsch, I played some gigs with. But I'm like, 
you know, there was a point where, well, this is a great example, actually. Uh, Mark Friedman, the bass player of The Slip, um, he plays with Ryan Montblou. I work, play, work with him currently. But mm -hmm. I I was and still am a, a huge fan of the, the band The Slip. If you don't know the band The Slip, you should check them out. But um, I've listened to their albums hundreds of times. And for me, it was like, oh, my God, I get to play in a band with, like, the bass player for one of my favorite bands of all time. This is awesome. It's like... So more more often than not, that that actually happens sometimes, and I have to try not to like fanboy out uh, too hard. Um, but I only did that I did that twice actually, where I kind of like overstepped my I didn't overstep my boundaries per se, but I I was backstage with Jim James earlier this year for my morning jacket, and I totally dropped the ball. <laughs> I was like, I should go say something. Yeah, let me go say something, and I just. Complete dog shit came out of my mouth. Nothing important. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said, but it, was, it wasn't anything great. Right. So, Jim James, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm really sorry. And then Jack Pearson from the Allman Brothers once, too, at the Warren Haynes Christmas Jam. I, I saw him, and I, that year, I cabinet played, and Bill, I blame Bill Orner for this because him and I opened bar, and we had a few drinks, and I was about to walk out, I saw Jack Pearson, who was the the guitar player for the Elm Brothers for like two or three years. Yeah. In my opinion, one of the best guys I've ever had, and I was like, you were the best, I'm like, you were the best guitar player in the Almonds <laughs> ever, man, I, I love you so much, dude, you have no idea, and I'm, I'm cool, I'm cool with that, you know, whatever, I got a couple, I got a couple of those, but that, that's all right, but I think, cool, like, more often than not, I get to, like, actually cross paths, it seems like, thankfully, in the last year or two with some people that I've definitely been on my bucket list in one way or another that's awesome that, I mean, that, that's that's one of the i mean one of many reasons why you would do it but uh i'm sure that's up there oh in yeah terms of, of why why you do what you do yeah i hope i get to see jack pearson or jim james again just a apologize and b clarify that um <laughs> i have my shit together a little bit more than maybe i made myself out to it's like the chris farley thing with, with paul mccartney that's that's how i felt <laughs> when i was talking to him Here's, a, here's a, maybe one of the last questions we have. Uh, uh, Chad Mummer says, how do you feel you keep yourself grounded after all well, these you know, shows I, you do? I'm a firm believer that um, I know Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age has had a little bit of bad press lately, but he has said yeah. something that <laughs> I live by, which is that uh, the moment you expect anything from music, you expect too much. So I, I kind of go every year. Every year cool stuff happens, but... Generally speaking, I, I don't expect anything from music. I'm just thankful to make uh, good music with good people when that continues to happen, and I have no real expectations. I just kind of, I, I, I take the gigs that are offered to me, and I do the best job I possibly could. As a, as a musician, I have two obligations. I have to show up on time, and I have to show up prepared. That's all I have control of, and I do that every time. No, no excuses, and um, that's really, for me at least, operating with no expectations and just no matter what the gig is big or small every gig i do is the most important gig you know so and every musician's only good, as good as their last gig so it's like i i show up for every every show ready to ready to do the thing under no you know no excuses not to do that so i just kind of abide by that rule book and that most definitely keeps me grounded you know you're i'm not I don't consider myself to be above or below anything, and I, I, I just I'm thankful to make good music with good people. That's uh, that's some solid advice. I knew he'd but, be something. But Josh Homme, Josh Homme, I know, 
I, I realize he just kicked the girl, the camera <laughs> yeah, girl, and a, I know, and I know that. that upsets a lot of people. A lot of my friends are photographers, but I just saw he also broke up a fight at, at Madison Square Garden, at his show. He broke up, he stopped the song and broke up a fight, and he provided me with that, uh, that advice. Or when I heard it, at least I took it as advice. So he's not, he's not, he's not the, a horrible guy. Well, cut, the, cut the guy mistakes. a little sick. People make I, I mistakes. Think, I think he, up, but... yeah, I, he might, he might have had a, you know, too many to drink or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and, I don't, and, maybe know, he, maybe he meant to be it. funny with it, and maybe it actually had more of, a, he had boots on or more of an impact. I don't know. Sure, it's totally speculatory, but nonetheless, um, he provided me with that insight that I def, I live by that. I, I, I literally live by that, and I have no, um, you know, again, no expectations. I just try to be as professional as possible and and make good music with good people and make. Relatively intelligent business decisions. That's all you can. Good do. enough for me, yeah. Is that good enough for you, Chad? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, it is that time again. Yeah, it's probably time. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, I think we had a, a great conversation. If you didn't catch the whole thing, uh, it's going to be a video uh, as soon as this is over. You can you can watch it on there. Uh, we'll have uh, the audio and video versions up on the site as well. So. Thank you, thank you, Justin, for uh, thank you for having me. Tonight. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was this this was a good conversation, and it's a, uh, it's a good uh, farewell. Yes, for for you for like not a, goodbye a, at least a month. Yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, we'll give we'll, we'll give we'll give you that. I mean, I'm gonna hope we'll, that he, I hope that he's not an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't cry twenty four seven. Yeah, maybe he's gonna be a great kid and he'll be sleeping from like seven to ten. <laughs> And my beautiful, lovely wife would be like, John, go out, do your thing, come back home. It'll be good. We'll see. I mean, yeah. just just make sure but, when you're holding them for the first time, just be like, don't be an asshole. Don't be don't an asshole. asshole. I mean, I, I, nightly, every night, I, 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 I touch her stomach and I always say, like, just don't be an asshole. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's, it's so she'll be induced. If he doesn't come on his own, she'll be induced uh, next Tuesday. So he could be here next Tuesday, or if it takes, you know, forty-eight hours or however long it takes kids to yeah to come out. Um, maybe he'll be uh, coming out as you know you're you were uh, hosting the next podcast. I, I if you do like a live. In which case, I'll I'll post. Yes, I'll, like I'll, a I'll do a Facebook yeah. live. All <laughs> Facebook live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we do an NAPA podcast from the hospital. There we go. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. she would. She'd be totally okay with that. I, I'm sure she. She would, would be have fine. no problem in, with in that her, at all. In her most vulnerable, yeah, she painful would, moments, she would probably love that. She actually. would love to have let's, that. Let's, live let's, let's arrange that next week live at the uh, Moses Taylor. I'll be tuning in for. <laughs> I'll definitely be tuning in. Who would not watch that? <laughs> oh man, ah, it's, it's wild. speaking of tapers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we were just talking about concerts. I think because, that's a archive, archive.org, you know, you'll have like set set one, you know, <laughs> yeah. like pre, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, we're excited, you know. It's it's gonna be wild. Oh. I should I should not be Justin though, so he's seen me in my, my finest stages yeah. of life and uh I don't know why God decided that I should control a human, but uh we'll see what happens. Here we are. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm a, little, I'm a little more sober these days, <laughs> and wiser, so to speak. Some acquired wisdom yeah. here yeah. and there. Picks up, to, pick up some, the wrinkles some in the eyes now. pieces of information. Some fat. No, it's fine. Side so note, I just turned 28, and like, man, it, whatever. I'm not, I realize it, it sucks to say that to anybody that's older than me, but 
Fucking sucks, man. <laughs> what is he at 30? Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for 30. Well, Big time. Enjoy it now. Got a couple gray beard hairs recently. Yeah. Which I'm... Whatever, man. I'm you ready. You your hair? I, I do. Uh, well, chair. I have an out. awkward hair stage right now, <laughs> which is the which is why the why why there's a hat thing. But um, yeah. No no signs of balding yet. Fingers crossed. Good. So on that note. On on that note, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, we we had a lot of fun. Uh, wish this guy uh, uh luck. With, with everything. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll see him back here in a few weeks, uh, a month or so. And I'm not dead. Next not dead. Ne next next week, uh, perfect timing, we're going to have the Star Wars oh, podcast. Oh, thank God I'm not here. So we're going to nerd out about Star Wars. My son has already saved my life. And and this guy won't Fuck have to be here to shit. listen to our nerdy bullshit. Fuck so. that. I can't take it. <laughs> Has your erection been satisfied? Yes, it is. Because <laughs> I, you know, I hope well I hope all the Star Wars erections have been satisfied. You yes. fucking assholes. Yes, my my lightsaber is sheathed. We're all we're all good. <laughs> Thank Christ, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Johnson. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah.